Hello, I am John. I count. I am Paul, by the way. I don't know why I was rushing there. This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk <laughs> about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up. Freedom! <laughs> Take my guts out. That was Russian? Cue the theme music. Trouble with Scotland is that it's full of Scots. Well, you couldn't get dressed up for nothing. The Lord tells me he can get me out of this mess. But it's pretty sure you're fucked. Freedom. Freedom. Free. Freedom. Freedom! Alright, we're here to talk about Braveheart. A movie from 1995, directed by and starring Mel Gibson. It's about a Scottish lad named William Wallace who is sick of the British boot on their necks, so he raises up to try and bring some freedom to the peeps of Scotland. And it's based on some kind of true story? I'm Not saying. really, no. Now, I know it's... Mostly based fake, on a myth, maybe at best, is what you a could legend say. Legend of some yeah. kind, perhaps. Probably about as historically accurate as uh, King Arthur. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I mean, there was an actual person named William Wallace. I think that's where the that's where it stops. And maybe, there was yeah. he he did I think fight with he Robert, liked freedom Robert the Bruce, and that's about period. That's where we should just end it. Okay. Mm, interesting. So um, this movie came out in '95, and um, this is before any of the real bad press started about Mel Gibson. What, yeah, I think it was just a year or two. Now, no, it was, I think it was quite a ways. Yeah, because it was a little bit it was, he was riding pretty high at that point. Yeah, Passion of the Christ is where he got in trouble after that movie. So it was probably five years later. Right, right, right. So uh, this movie wasn't tarnished at the time it came out and was a pretty huge blockbuster success given its long runtime. Um, around that time, there was quite a few movies coming out that were kind of like um, epic war um, yeah, kind long. of movies, period pieces, all that kind of stuff. And I have to say, compared to some of the other movies that have come out that um, would be similar to this, this one um, got away with not having the most massive set pieces um, that I've ever seen. Because like Scotland is a lot of open land. And when there are some shots of uh, sacking castles and things like that, um, they didn't spend too much time in or around the castles so that they were blowing us away with with all that stuff. It's kind of kept really simple to good effect, I think. Yeah, I do too. I also like the fact that there's not a lot of dialogue in the movie to like explain things because to me, that was the, the biggest, the strength of this movie was the writing because when he, the little girl falls in love with him, she just gives him a flower. That's it. And that's there's it. no that's like how they built a lifelong relationship where she yeah. gave him a flower. Yeah, she just gave him a flower and <laughs> wow. then he comes back and he recognizes her again. So there's no like conversation where like Remind our listeners again, are you single? <laughs> <laughs> You're still waiting for the right girl to I'm, give you a single flower? She hasn't. And then he can come back twenty years later and be like, yeah. What's up? Yeah, remember me? <laughs> no, I, I thought I do just, think I don't know how this stuff. is turning personal. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I just, you're right. <laughs> I, the, I, I was trying to make a joke, and I didn't mean for it to be personal. I'm that's, sorry. That's interesting. No, no, seriously. <laughs> I just thought it was overly simplistic and, and quite humorous that that's all that their relationship was built on was that. But I think that that was like that stuff is usually well way overdone with dialogue that's fair and like and, and like what did you need from a visual standpoint i thought it was yeah very like poetic, well since that flower reality no since well, that flower silly. that he keeps is is like a strung through the whole movie i think the that that rag that he keeps is like one of the last appearances in the movie it's like in the second to last scene so for me the the relationship was built on the fact that she gave him a flower was a 
beautiful gesture, visually amazing. She was also he the go, only attractive woman in the movie. I thought Queen Isabella was pretty hot. I meant in, in Scotland. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, he goes Sorry. away. He doesn't see her ever again. He comes back, and they're in love. And he basically, the way he proposes to her, he says, uh, I need a bunch of kids. Is, is your hole available? And then that, they get married. As of, as of the time. Yeah, that might actually have worked for the time. Yeah. yeah it, there's it's not much more to back then. It's not like they were going to like shop around and date a bunch of people before they like settled. He's like, well, can I marry your daughter? She was the only girl he knew, I guess. She was the only attractive girl. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, literally. well, he went off and traveled to a whole bunch of places and had a whole bunch of experiences and for whatever reason held on. So I don't know. It, it is it is simple and that part of it moves along fairly quickly. But you also, because of the, the way the two actors portray it, I don't doubt that they're that they're deeply in love. And for, you know, that time in society when your best bet is to live to 35 and slam out a it couple of kids. It just seems that an entire lifelong relationship was built over 30 seconds in a three-hour movie. It's not like they didn't have the room to do something there. But, but regardless, yeah, if that worked for you... Let's that's for the purpose. That's she only was the to clean, drive. Not only the most attractive of all of the women in the villages, but she was the cleanest. Everyone else was like covered in mud. <laughs> she was always clean. I that's mean, how the English could have won the Scots over. They just could have showed up with soap. Every, <laughs> Here you go. Here you so, go. These guys are fucking geniuses nobody's going for any of the other women. I mean, everyone else must have been disappointed when he, he swept her up because they're like, eh, I got this yeah, curly She was the only clean one. Muddy woman. <laughs> or you could be that English guard who tracks her down in corners and he's been like, oh, you remind me of my daughter. <laughs> That's gross. But there wasn't like a ton of exposition where they had to explain anything in the movie, which like has been happening like more and more in movies, whether it's whatever the movie is today, where it's just like, well, let's stand around and talk about stuff instead of show stuff. And this movie did a good job of just showing stuff with minimal dialogue. And I think that includes their love story because, yeah, it, it was really quick, um, but the symbolism was there and the way the two actors did a lot of it wordlessly um, I thought it really made me um, feel worse when the whole scene of him being unable to save her comes up and she unfortunately gets her throat slit by the by the nasty lord of the village. And for a guy who never directed like a big action movie before, like all that stuff I feel like was was an, he he it worked for me as well. Like I felt like the action in this movie was still really good, surprisingly. Yeah, he uses uh, I forget the technical term, smash cut or whatever, um, where you have like a sword swinging at a guy and then you skip a few frames to make the impact seem that much more violent. Uh, and oh my god, this movie is violent. Uh, I made the mistake um, a, a little while ago of trying to watch this movie um, while I was falling asleep because sometimes when you watch familiar movies, when you fall asleep, you can fall asleep without having to watch it. And, and then you dream about the movie? And you can dream about the movie. <laughs> that can happen. But in this movie, every like 25 minutes is a crazy huge battle scene with clanging swords and desperately screaming men who have been cleaved. It's uh, a little bit difficult to fall asleep to. So, but yeah, the, the action in this movie is pretty consistent and rampant uh, along the way. And from moment one it's just it has those pangs of realism um where like i don't know like a better way to describe it there's no like cheesy long drawn out like sword fights where it's like clang 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 and oh you're very talented sir oh, i don't know it's just absolute fucking chaos. chaos yeah and guys are like stabbing each other from behind stabbing groins stabbing eyeballs cleaving heads there's mallets there's like any kind of weapon you could think of gets used and the effects and and how all the battle scenes are done save for one or two wide angle shots where you can see some guys way in the background with like broomsticks just kind of like having a good <laughs> old day and and actually considering the length and and how other things are done um 
that those could have been cut, but it's not even that huge a deal. Like um, when two armies are charging towards each other, he really like cuts back and forth between the charging almost too much, but just I think at the right the, amount. The to only the thing I did notice was a little continuity with with William Wallace when he, they're charging each other, and when, sometimes he has his sword in his hand, and other times he doesn't have it in his hand. Yeah, he had his pick. His, yeah, yeah, he kept pulling it from behind scene. his back, like over and over and over again. And this, and he was, it didn't make any sense. But I, those I, Scots have to be in great shape because if I ran across an entire field like that, I'd be finished. I wouldn't be have any energy to actually fight anybody. I'd be like, oh, can we take a few minutes just get our breath here? I actually thought about that, but I think those men of that age would be in great shape because all they would be doing would be working outside all day and running long distances between farms and. Um, well, everything's uphill too, so like they're it's con yeah, the it's constantly like they're on stair. It would be like us on stairmasters all day. And the the English army wearing all the armor and and all that kind of stuff would be would be an absolute terror um so a few other things i really liked about this movie was the bad guy patrick mcguhan as um uh, as the evil king um longshanks. longshanks he just nails it as being this like evil man um he's given a couple of different um curveballs with his son being kind of really effeminate and not the son he wants to see taking over the kingdom but he's got to deal with it because he has no other heirs um and how he tries to deal with wallace and how cunning and smart he actually is um and he's to some extent he's just kind of presented as this evil guy but we have enough screen time with him and, and shown his mind a little bit um and his tuberculosis or whatever it is he's dying from uh, i think he's a really effective bad guy in this movie Paul's not saying much. So. No, I'm, Paul's like, I'm Go ahead. I'm listening. Paul's like, I'm not liking any of this. <laughs> Paul's like, I'm going to wait till the end and then just I thought destroy effemin- all of your guys' stuff. No, no. I thought uh, saying his effeminate son, that was a nice way of saying. Well, yeah. Well, John's <laughs> not Longshanks. You know what? The, the thing was, is, uh, I think gay people might be upset with the portrayal of him. Just the fact that not only was he gay, but the fact that he was disgusted by the thought of, of a vagina coming anywhere near him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess. No, he was. That like, and was seen. His queen came over to console him or whatever, and he was disgusted by her. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that. Oh yeah, I know. He's horrified you're by about the touch. And of when a they woman. get married, he like kind of gives her the quick. He looks at her and then he looks at his. his yeah, lover. And starts basically rubbing his crotch, looking at his boyfriend over the corner. I mean, it was definitely not subtle that he was not a, not gay. a very PC representation. I, I I don't know. It was pretty over the top, but I guess he had to slam that point home for some reason. Yeah, the audiences back then maybe weren't as savvy. I don't know. Yeah, I'm used to that type of thing. And then we get uh, another kind of um, bad guy in The Leper, uh, Robert the Bruce's dad, who is kind of a, just a political monster who doesn't care for, for life or for you know, loyalty. He's all about his lands and his titles and continuing the Bruce um, legacy name. So he's a good kind of secondary evil guy. Uh, and the way that that tears at the Bruce, uh, Robert the Bruce makes that his character all the more interesting. He's constantly toiled with like his people and the, the nobles and then... Obviously, for the one battle, he actually goes over um, uh, on the on the side of the king to, to maintain his lands because he, he has been convinced it's for the good of his people until he looks in his eyes. Yeah, you know what? There's a lot of interesting political stuff going on, too. Without being overly political. Yeah. Um, which is great. That like, I don't know if it was a simpler time, um, but just the politics of this movie don't get in the way of moving the story along and... And it's clear like that, that William Wallace just wants his people to be free and under the boot where the, the Brits can't come uh, and like bang their wives on first night or um, just take their lands and, and repress the people. 
Yeah, I also thought it was really when his wife or his secret wife gets killed mm -hmm. that that scene still worked on just the fact that they put her against the pole and like slice her throat. It's yeah, there's something so brutal about the way he directed that scene. And when she looks out and starts looking around to the hills and it shows that oh, what she's yeah. seeing in the hills and he's just not there and you see the disappointment on her face. Uh, that actress, I know she was in Spy Game uh, and a few other things, so nothing really, I don't think she ever became a huge uh, actress, but she did a really good job with this role in this with movie. With very, very little. Yeah. She was one of the little. better parts of the film for Absolutely. sure. That's yeah. what I mean. I feel, like, I feel like most of the actors in this movie had to act without words and and all of them did an okay job. Like other than even Mel Gibson, even though he had like a lot of speeches and stuff, most of the time his speeches were good. Like there have been, I I think so. Like I've seen other war movies, like like the Lord of the Rings. The guy's got to get up in front of I've the seen army and Paul loading up. Yeah, no, I, I no, I just I, I think I thought the the speeches were over the, over the top and pointless. Over the top, yeah, pointless. I don't know. Well, how do you for, for us as the people? audience maybe, but. That no man is never free or whatever. It's like, what is that? No man never, never lives. What was what? that line? No, you you can die in they your bed. They may beds. take our lives, but they'll never take, take our freedom. Freedom. Oh, there's, maybe I'm thinking of Gladiator. No. <laughs> <laughs> I it's, it's thought it was a lot of uh, silly and it was pretentious. And I thought Mel Gibson made this movie to highlight Mel Gibson. Mm. I think the fact that it was about William Wallace or the history of the Scots, I think, was completely secondary in Mel Gibson. It was just him playing the hero and him playing it full tilt with no flaws uh, and, and never gives up at the end. It was just it was very silly to the point of being way even worse than a John Wayne Western, I thought. Mm. Well, so Mel Gibson actually didn't want to play Wallace, but Paramount Pictures wouldn't let him direct it and produce it unless he starred in the movie as well. So Interesting. Even I, but I do think it comes off that way when you're watching it, what you're saying. Like this, I, this is a complaint I have with Tom Cruise movies. It's like, I, I know he's going to be a flawless hero and he's going to win at the end. There's going to be no surprise to me. And, and he played it, Mel Gibson played it even worse. Well, he doesn't win at the end, really. He gets like... Um, There's two women gets, in the does, movie and he, he bangs both of them. And they're both hot as shit. <laughs> okay, but he does get disemboweled. But to the, okay, he does but get disemboweled, but he still, he still wins. But he still wins yeah, because went he doesn't for, cry out. Yeah, and went saying. out for half an hour. Um, I will say that he... I'll agree he that his real, character is pretty flawless. Like, what, what character flaws does Wallace have except his... his drive well, he I goes guess. on about intelligence of the movie and using your wits and yet we see no evidence of that the two smartest people in the whole fucking movie are the villains robert the bruce no, senior that's not and, and long that's not true in the battles he's always coming well, up no, he with said, cunning he said ways. there was one thing he said you know what pretend you're leaving then come around okay i'll give you that well that was there was smart. the poles for the for the spears for the horses there was the oil in the field so he could light it on fire like tactically he was he was smart. Like so, I think that was battle tactics. Maybe not so much as the overall campaign map tactically good. That's where so the king who was him better. That? His uncle? Yeah, I think his uncle taught him. Why did his uncle share any of this stuff with his dad? His uncle Argyle. Well, right. maybe well, Argyle shared that with his dad. Argyle was seemed to be more of the traveling Wilbury of the family, and the dad was just a simple farmer. So huh. they might not have had much connection in that route. Um, one oh, smart by the way, and one dumb brother, that I opening guess. scene with the young boy who follows um, his dad to the camp and sees all the hanging dead bodies—that's oh, a, yeah. a super eerie, kind of creepy scene. And another. Um, the other creepy scene for me is when his dad comes home dead and they're dressing the body and then he has the dream about the dad. Uh, he's laying next to him, I think. Um, that's always creeped me out a little bit. Your heart is free. 
I just, <laughs> I was watching this movie and uh, with great skepticism, I went into this movie and uh, very, very low expectations. And as it went on, I kept going, oh, this is not nearly as shitty as I would have thought that this would have been. Really? Like, the directing was good. The music was good for the most part. Um, the two or three pieces of music that they kept playing over and over and over again, but they were well good, done good and done. fit the movie. They were too much. The action scenes too were good. I felt like there was a dirty grittiness to it. Like sometimes Mel Gibson's costume looked a little bit too pressed and like he just got out from the dry cleaner. Yeah. But a lot, most of the time, everyone looked dirty and muddy and it was raining and it was gross. Yeah. So there's an authenticity feel to it. Um, Mel Gibson doesn't seem like he really fits in the movie. Like everyone else feels more authentic than Mel Gibson. I'll definitely give yeah. you that. And he is a flawless character who doesn't learn anything because he wants to free Scotland from the beginning of the movie. And then he wants to free them at the end of the movie. So like what journey did he take? Yeah. And I think they I think give you he enough takes time us on a journey. They this, give this they was, give you enough time with the secondary characters too, with Hamish and his dad, and the guy um, from, the guy with the scarred face, whose wife uh, gets gets taken advantage of from the prima nocta thing. He becomes kind of like a character, and there's a few other familiar faces that all have some speaking lines. And when they end up going down later in the movie, like I'm actually like, oh, I know. It's rare. Like sometimes you're like, who was that? Oh, I don't know who that was. But in this movie, I was like, ah, like I just took two arrows to the chest. So I kind of like became emotionally invested in in them. Um, and that kind of just built it up for me too. I was, I found myself kind of cheering for them, even knowing that there wouldn't be too much that the, they'd be able to do to take over the English empire. Um, and then the other part that I was surprised at was that his relationship with the French queen, um, or princess, I guess. It, and I was, my, my worry when I was going in was like, oh, he gets to see her once and then they bang. And that's like a little bit too much. It's not quite that bad. It still probably shouldn't have happened. You want to believe it, so you accept it. It's still, see, she still could have done the things that she did, warning him and all that, because she could have been in love with the idea of him, but then to actually bang him. But that's what I mean, is this movie gets like, sold, cake, like on paper, some of that stuff is stupid, it makes no sense, but they sell it with the directing, the music, the acting. No, no, it works for you. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. I was going to say, the, uh, the amount of time that we get with... Um, what's her name? The princess Isabella. Yep. Yeah. The amount of time we get with her also to show her kind of suffering along the way, um, makes her less of just kind of a pop-up character that's there just for Mel Gibson to sleep with. Um, we get to see how, you know, she came into the, to the marriage with the, <laughs> with the effeminate prince, um, with kind of, you know, an open heart. And she was like, Oh, this could be good. And then she quickly learns how wrong that's going to go. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Then then we do get all the way to the fact where she sleeps with Mel Gibson and then is pregnant with his child and she rubs that in Longshank's face. That that all seemed a little bit heavy-handed for, you know, not necessary to still get the point of the movie across at the end of the day. Yeah, and I don't think that was necessarily needed for the movie either. The whole thing was supposed to be about how they wanted to they wanted to be free from English rule. So, I feel like they they just do that in there as like a dagger to uh to the the villain or whatever and actually in a way does it not take away some of what um mel gibson and his characters are trying to do when she will take over the empire and stop all this anyway then will it have made all of her re rebelling all of his rebelling kind of pointless because why well because she'll be in charge soon and she'll be like oh i don't like killing people in scotland so we'll stop and the effeminate son doesn't have power here i do 
And then Mel Gibson played. Well, why did we go to battle then? Well, I think when she said that you're that the the child inside me is is William Wallace, I think the movie could have ended there. Maybe, because really, I mean, that would have what an ultimate slam it would be against the English. It's like your future king is half Scott. Yeah, they just wanted to get in the end though that Bruce had a change of heart or whatever and threw his sword on the field and it stuck into the ground and like went back and forth or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a nice imagery of the sword sticking in the ground. But um, was that William Wallace's sword? Is that what yeah, that represented? Was, is that, was that the deal? Yeah, Hamish was throwing out his claymore so it could stick in the ground and everyone would be like, there's our symbol, go boys. His claymore? Yeah, claymore sword. Uh, I don't know what that is. It's a is. giant two-handed sword that he uses uh, in the early battle scenes to cleave people in half. Oh, right, right. Well, at least take their heads off. I'm sad the movie wasn't more about uh, the relationship between William Wallace and Robert the Bruce because Robert the Bruce is a huge hero in Scotland and I think if they would have, not to say made it into a buddy movie, but made the relationship stronger and given Robert the Bruce almost equal equal billing to William Wallace, his uh, his betrayal would have meant something more. But I guess he's portrayed as such a secondary, almost non-character in some respects that... Uh, his betrayal doesn't really mean a whole lot later in the film. It's almost like uh, the Bruce is picking up the pieces at the end of the day, um, picking up the pieces of what William Wallace built and did, and he's kind of carrying on. I don't know. I do feel his struggle, and you can see he has the hope in his eyes, so maybe this would almost be like a Robert the Bruce um, origin story <laughs> to some extent, uh, and there could be a whole other... Not that I'd ever want to see a sequel to any movie really no. ever, but... Um, but Robert the Bruce maybe does deserve to have his own kind of tale told. This could have been a could have been a movie about Robert Bruce. But I don't think Probably this movie was been. done to be a slam at Robert the Bruce. I no. think I think historical fiction is always better when you have you know someone who maybe the audience can identify with, and maybe it's tougher to identify with a someone who's already in a position of of power and privilege that decides to be good rather than a boy who was born on poor on a farm and then becomes the leader of an army like. That's probably why they they did it and talked up Wallace a bit more for that for that juxtaposition. And, and you never get impactful. Mel, you never have Mel Gibson play him today <clears throat> in a million years, much like we've talked. He'd about be Longshanks today. No they Gibson. just they would say you're <laughs> taking jobs away from from Scottish actors. Oh, and, maybe and that would. you can't do that, and that's racist. And so, but yeah. that might have been better because can you imagine if like a really good Scottish actor would have played the Mel Gibson role? Mm. Are there any really good Scottish actors? Uh, uh, isn't I'm just the kidding. guy who plays There's probably a couple. Is the guy who plays isn't the guy who plays uh <laughs> Professor Xavier Scottish? I see English. Patrick Stewart? No. <laughs> oh my oh, god, James Can you Avery. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> like, what? McAvoy is Scottish. McAvoy, right. Thank you. Yes. Why he would say Avery. Well, but not maybe he wouldn't have been <clears throat> the right choice. He was well, he McGregor. Was, he was five. Yeah. <laughs> you and McGregor can maybe do it. Obi Wan. He would have been young. He would have been he would have been too young at that time because he was really young when the, I guess if, if William Wallace was supposed to be 20 though in this movie in his 20s and Mel Gibson was in his 40s. Like I said, Paramount like insisted that they need a big star to play it. And it was, it was, it must've been a hugely expensive movie at the time. I think, uh, there was a story. I don't know if it's true that Mel Gibson threw a glass ashtray through the wall because Paramount wouldn't give him what he wanted. I don't <laughs> know how true that is. And he, he was, on one sense, that sounds petulant. <clears throat> On, On the other hand, <laughs> I can only imagine what these discussions with studios must be like. Yeah. You have to have an octopus in there. What? I think I was more no. surprised at the fact that they still had glass ashtrays in their offices back then. 95 is not that long ago. No, it's true. 
That's true. <laughs> they were still smoking in their offices. You don't need an ashtray for cocaine. <laughs> so, so I, I'm assuming that everyone knows how they feel about this movie. I do, yeah. I really, um, like Colin, I was surprised I hadn't seen this movie in a little bit. And I came in with uh, definite skepticism, uh, honestly, with everything that's going on with a bunch of the more, um, the newer movies that are coming out in the direction they're taking um, in terms of using effects and all that kind of stuff. And just thinking back on this movie with the, the love story and all other things, I thought it was going to crash and burn hard. But um, it doesn't, for me, it didn't overplay its hand in any one direction. It, like the love story, for any problems that are with it, it was believable. Even with the the French Queen, when he starts to get in with her, yeah, they went a little over the top with that, but it didn't it didn't destroy the movie for me because there was always other things in the background there, going on. This movie's on. definitely over the top. It, it is. The speeches but, are over the top, but not the, in a way that ruins it for me. Yeah, it's, it's like I get behind it and I'm like, yeah, that's a great speech that he just gave. And would he have done that in real life? I don't know. <laughs> um, no one would have been able to hear him. Yeah, I mean that's the the phoniness of film. But like you're like that huge crowd of people, maybe seven or eight people would have been able to hear him. Yeah, in a and huge field. His set pieces are like really good in this. Like the 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 size of the battles, you really get a sense of that and how how visceral and and gritty they are and how how those kinds of things would have been with just guys like shoulder to shoulder bumping against each other. Uh, even though Mel Gibson somehow is fighting in close quarters with a giant claymore sword, that's a little bit. But even the way he does that, I find I find somewhat believable. So um, the bad guys are good. The good guys are good. Um, it, you feel the loss at the end. You feel the sympathy and the pain. And and you kind of like when he even when he cries out freedom at the end, as cheesy as that could be, um, it it works. It works for me. So this movie holds up for me. <sighs> yeah, I went with this movie had the advantage of me going in with the lowest of expectations. Like I was, I was going to make fun of it. I watched it with someone else. We were going to have a good time and mock it. And uh, there wasn't just there wasn't as much to mock about it as I thought there was going to be. And uh, I got like totally shanghaied by uh, their manipulation that they used. And the, mani- <laughs> the, the movie manipulated me. I, I felt emotional. I got sucked in. <laughs> I feel stupid about it because it's Mel Gibson and it's Braveheart, but it, it still works. <laughs> It still works. Yeah, 23 I years I can't later. help saying that it still works. Yeah. Am I embarrassed about it? Yes. I apologize. Um, I, I'm, I tend to be more cynical, I think, than I was when I watched this movie. But compared to some of the other trash we've reviewed, it, 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 it yeah. holds its place to hold up for me. What do you think, Paul? I, I also went in with low expectations, and I have to say that <laughs> it was considerably worse than I thought. I've been, I've been yeah. waiting for this. Okay. I thought Armageddon was better than this. this really? Was so wow. Long-winded and pretentious. Three hours is unacceptable for a movie of this type. The love aspect, both the love stories were laughable, and his death went on for 20 minutes too long. <laughs> I think this was a preamble for The Passion of the Christ this is a practice session for making Jesus story is basically what this movie was. I thought the fact that he played himself as this hero with no flaws that could not be broken was embarrassing. And I honestly think it was just a big, the whole thing is a big ego trip for him. Wow. Yeah. And so, uh, I was really disappointed in this and I went in with low expectations and they were still not met. I would have to like, when you said it earlier, I never thought about that, but 100%, he's he doesn't learn anything he doesn't he doesn't change he doesn't change as a person 
He, and, and Robert the Bruce, and I said it earlier, I hate to repeat myself, he should have been a more significant character, and that could have been a, a contrast between the two of them. And I think it would have made a much stronger film. Mm. But instead, we just made it about Mel Gibson. And what did you think of the actor who played Robert Bruce? I thought he was okay. I thought all the acting was fine. You know, I, <sighs> Mel was over the top, but all, all the secondary players were awesome. The little Irish guy. Very funny. Yeah. Loved him. Yeah. And Hamish. Um, I forget. Oh, God. Um, I love Donald Gleason or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, and once again, He's I say that with I since. say I say that with no confidence and uh, not feeling good about myself. But like, I to it totally worked on me. Yeah, they they like just they just sometimes it's those movies that just they you know what they're doing, but you just I just like got sucked in. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe I got sucked in. It's true. It's true. All right, well you heard it here. We got two for freedom and one for no freedom. <laughs> Supporter of the Long Shanks. Go watch it. Maybe see what you think. Let us know. All right, everybody, take her easy. See you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is holdup underscore podcast. You can fire us a comment or two, add a movie to our wish list, and we always post a hint about our next episode in the middle of the week. Feel free to drop us an email directly if you've got some feedback for us. Our email is podcast.holdup at gmail.com. Our podcast can be found where most podcasts are these days. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and Player FM. We're also on YouTube, and our channel is Hold Up, which is two words. <laughs>